Was it good? Was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater, too. Feel your love of Broadway anew on Backstage Babble. Hi, this is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. Before I introduce my fantastic guest for today, I wanted to let you all know about my show, Backstage Babble Live, that is coming to 54 Below on July 17th, Monday at 7 p.m., Like the podcast, the one-night event is a celebration of theater history. It will feature some of Broadway's biggest stars, who happen to be my former guests, recreating songs that they've performed in previous roles. The lineup consists of Lonnie Ackerman, Christine Andreas, DJ Man Bartlett, Jim Brochu, Lori Tan Chin, Josie De Guzman, Ken Jennings, Judy Kay, Karen Mason, Terry Ralston, Tom Sesma, and Stephen Skybell. And the represented shows include A Little Night Music, Guys and Dolls, The Baker's Wife, and more. For those who can't make it into town, the event will also be live-streamed. I hope to see some or all of you there, and the link to tickets is in my episode description. And now I am honored to introduce my guest, the fabulous Leslie Uggams. Leslie Uggams is the star of the new movie Dottie and Soul, which is currently available for streaming, and her previous credits include Broadway shows such as Anything Goes, Hallelujah Baby, King Hadley, Thoroughly Modern Millie, and Her First Roman, and she starred on screen in Roots, Deadpool, and so much more. And now, without further ado, here's the great Leslie Uggams. Oh, great. Well, so I would love to um, start off by asking you about the movie that we're talking to promote, which is Dottie and Soul. And so how did this movie first sort of come about for you? And Uh, I was sent the the script and I I liked the script. And then the writer, who's also going to be the director, uh, came in town and we sat down and talked and I I really, you know, liked him a lot, and um, and I thought mm, this is interesting because uh, it has a lot to say that's even current, you know, and uh, that's basically, you know, once we negotiated the terms, that there we went off to Oklahoma. Right, and mm-hmm. what has it been like to sort of return to filming and performing after the pandemic and? Well, it was wild because we started the film before the pandemic happened. Oh, so we were in Oklahoma City and doing the film, and it was near like the last week before we were finishing the movie that all of a sudden we started hearing about the virus and the whole thing like that. And then, and then what happened was not activity going on. Here. <laughs> um, so then we um. I was off for three days, and all of a sudden I get a, a phone call from the uh, producer saying, they're shutting us down. And I said, what? And they said, yeah, we're, sh- we're, sh- we're down. And I said, okay. And she said, you know, if, if, 
this virus thing. And we didn't really, we heard about it, but not a, a big, a big kind of thing. And uh, so we said, okay, well, I said, <laughs> we're going home, we're going home. But I didn't want to fly. So uh, they got us a, a van and we left that morning drove back to New York City, which was an interesting situation as well, because uh, we didn't know what was happening. But my assistant, and he also did the hair for the movie, he said, I'm buying coolers. So he bought all these coolers. And uh, I, we wound up stopping in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, who had never been before. And it was a lot of these, you know, hotel motels, and we just pulled up to one that happened that had just been open like a month. And we stayed there and he, he went and did some scouting. And the next thing he said, there's a supermarket not far from this place. So the next morning we were in the supermarket buying groceries. And that was the first time really knew this was not playing around because you could only get three of something. And there was a woman next to us and she was like hoarding all kinds of stuff. And the guy came over and said, put that back. <laughs> and it was, only, we were there like seven o'clock in the morning. So there was only like uh, maybe 10 people in the market. And so we, we got stuff because we didn't know when we got here to New York, what the circumstances were gonna be. We wanted to make sure that we would have food for what was going to be happening, and uh, we had all kinds, kinds of stuff, and uh, thank God we did because we got here. We get back to New York like late at night, and uh, it was it was really spooky. It's the first time that I had ever been to my hometown, and there was like nobody on the street. Oh, nobody on the street. But in the meantime, we only had one more week of shooting, but we couldn't do it. And we didn't know, you know, originally they were saying, oh, you know, it's gonna be um, two weeks. Remember that's how they said two weeks and everything. And of course, as it went longer and longer, yeah. we said, are we ever gonna finish this movie? And it took us a year before we were able to finish the movie, but we did it here in New York. The, 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 uh, it was mainly a lot of office stuff that, that we do in the film, and uh, but it was it was wild and crazy, and I thought are we ever going to finish it, but uh, we managed to do it, and it, I think it's worth it. I had a lot of fun with this movie, a lot of fun with this movie. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. So you're, of course, a veteran of the screen for many years. And I'd love to ask about two great stars who you worked with in that medium, which were Ethel Waters when you were growing up and then also Ruby Dee later on. Yeah, well, I worked with Ethel when I was six. And it was it was a local television station here in New York City. And I played her niece for one of the episodes. And that's how I, my mother and I met her. And she became a, a, a good friend. She, kind of uh, took my mother and I under her wings and every time she would perform someplace, she would invite my mother and I. So I got to see her just with a piano and singing all these wonderful songs. And uh, my aunt 
Eloise had worked with her on Broadway. She and my, uh, my cousin had worked with her in Blackbirds of 28 or 29, one of those years. So she said, are you related to that other Uggams? And I said, yes, I'm, a, I'm her niece. <laughs> and then with Ruby, I, you know, did this movie called Black Girl that had been an off-Broadway play that was really um, very successful. And so they decided they were going to uh, make a movie of it. And that's how I became a part of that. And Ossie Davis directed us. And Ruby played my mother. And that was just, you know, I believe you learn from the masters. And just to watch her, you couldn't help but react because she was so brilliant, so brilliant. And that, that was really, really something. Oh, yeah. And how did you come to be acting at the age of six years old? Was it through your mother's idea or your own? Or No, they at that time, television was young. And so they would go around auditioning kids. So kids could go to these auditions and they'd, they'd pick you out. That's how, you know, you, we little child actors began. And, and they had a lot of children's programs as well. So it was a, a lot for kids to, to really do that was what it was wonderful. It was really wonderful, and uh, and and that's how it happened. So all these television shows, I got a, I would audition and I'd get the part to sing something or tap dance or you know things like that. And that's how it was back then. Okay. The dancing schools and music schools and acting schools for kids, and a lot of times some of these producer directors would just go to these schools and look at kids and see if you know you fit the mold for what they wanted right and what was the transition like between being a child and an adult actor did you sort of take a break in between or well I was always doing singing and so um I wasn't doing a lot of acting but I was you know studying and uh, but singing and tap dancing was my thing, <laughs> so that's what I was doing. I was playing the Apollo. I played that for uh, till I was like sixteen years old with people like Louis Armstrong or Ella Fitzgerald, the Drifters, you know, people like that. So I was getting my schooling from the Apollo Theater and uh, studying and you know doing that did like the show of shows, which was uh, Sid Caesar and Imogene Coca. And uh, so I, I was doing a, a lot of things and acting was in the back of my mind, but it wasn't my major, major thing that was happening. And that really came about more, I guess, after Sing Along with Mitch and I had an opportunity to uh, get got a little name there. And so I, I got a couple of movies that I got a chance to, to do. I, uh, Skyjack I did with James Brolin and Charlton Heston and that was a fabulous gig to to be around him and see how it all worked and stuff like that and so little by little I started getting more and more and then television shows some dramatic television shows and uh, but of course you know Roots was my my big break playing Kizzy that's when people said Oh, you can act too. <laughs> you know? Because back then, if you sang, you were a singer. If you danced, you were a dancer. But you, you know, to be trying to do all three of them, it was like, why do you want to do that? Like, kind of 
back then. And let's be honest, there wasn't a whole lot of roles for African-Americans anyway. But the roots as acting-wise, that really put me on the map. Oh, yeah. And I would love to ask before that, too, about Hallelujah Baby and how that first happened. Well, that was another wild story. Um, Lena Horne was supposed to do that. Uh, she and Arthur Lawrence were dear friends, and he wanted her to do Hallelujah Baby. And for some reason, they had a, a falling out. So they decided they were going to find an unknown. And at the time, I was in California doing um, The Boyfriend. <clears throat> At the Ber at a Ber Berkeley Theater, and uh, it was quite successful. And the word had gotten back to New York about what I was doing, and so they were interested. And so they wanted me to, when I came back to New York, to audition. And but when I got back to to New York, what happened was um, I was booked to play a club in Atlantic City. So I couldn't, I couldn't audition. I had, cause I had a gig to do. So they all came down, Arthur Lawrence, um, Comden and Green and Julie Stein came down to Atlantic City to the Harlem Club and watched me do my act. Wow. So they were impressed with what I could do. And then what happened, I had to do the reading, the, the acting thing. And so then I went uh, back to New York and I did a reading. And at the time, uh, David oh. Merrick was the director. And I'm doing the reading, I finish and I look over and he's fast asleep. <laughs> I thought, well, this is, doesn't seem like he was very impressed with what I was doing. So I guess this is not gonna happen. But then I got a call. And uh, they said, you got the part. But then uh, producers changed because he decided since Lena wasn't doing it, he was not going to produce it. So they found some other producers. And uh, that's how I got that part. <laughs> and being sort of a young and new star at that point, would you yeah. suggest changes to the show? Or did you feel that you sort of preferred not to do that early on? I had no say whatsoever. <laughs> but the great thing about it was I got to work with Julie Stein and he and I would sit down and, and work the songs. Um, the interesting thing about it was that I was so green because I had never done theater before. And uh, so it was like, okay, I'm doing this show. So I memorized the whole thing because that's what I thought you had to do before the first day of rehearsal. And so first day of rehearsal, we sit down for a reading and we start. And they all started looking at me because I wasn't looking at the script. I knew all my lines. And one of the actors said, uh-oh, she's going to be trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so I was just green in every way. So it was an incredible experience for me and learning with the masters because they were all brilliant and wild and crazy. <laughs> Too many fingers in the pie, let me put it that way. Uh, each person, what we started out as a concert concept all of a sudden became 
well, maybe we need, need to do it this way. Oh, no, maybe we need to do it that way. Oh, maybe, you know, and uh, we spent a lot of money on costumes and wigs and stuff that was so heavy, it gave you a headache to even have them on, you know? And so it just became like, oh my God, what are we doing now? And we just did changes and changes and changes. And what started out as a dream turned into a, a nightmare. So I was not shocked <laughs> when we uh, didn't get great reviews, which was a shame because we had a huge box office and stuff like that. But um, it just looked better on paper. And then the original director who talked me into doing it, they he got fired. And so then somebody else came in and then he had his concept and it was just like, it got to the point where uh, Richard and I were like, do we want to go out there on that stage? Because <laughs> this is getting crazy now, crazy now. So it it, it was a shame because uh, it was uh, it started up terrifically and it just, but that happens, you know, not every show is a, a winner, but I see, I also, I love the process of rehearsing. I love the rehearsal process because first of all, you're always around each other. And, you know, there's a relationship that happens between you and the cast and everything. And I'm always sad when we finally open and the show is going beautifully because then everybody has their life outside of the show, you know, because people, they go home and they do their thing. And so you're not together like you do when you're in rehearsal you know you're around each other all the time it's, it's all day long but you know when you start doing the show it's like okay we see each other on the stage you know before half hours but that like that but it's 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 the thing because then you're trying to keep healthy because you're doing a show right right and what made you decide, sort of after this experience, to focus more on movies and TV for a while? And... and You know, to be quite honest with you, my career has never been planned. Ever. Um, my mother's saying used to be, you look around one corner and it comes around the other. And that has been my career. I've never, you know, sat down. And my manager, okay, so this is the plan and we're going to do this. I mean, some people that works for, but for me, it's never worked that way. I've, I've gotten gigs just from walking down the street and I run into somebody and they go, oh my God, I want to talk with you, you know, management and stuff, because uh, I got this great idea, you know, things like that. So nothing ever in my career has been planned. Not when I did Roots, not when I did. Deadpool, any of that. I mean, it was, you know, not like, okay, this is what our plan is going to be. It's never been that way. Oh, yeah. And I think, and I like that. I really like that because I get to do so many different things. I've never said, okay, I'm not going to sing anymore. I'm just going to act. It's never been that way. Never been that way. And have you had shows that you've turned down? And what would make you turn down a project? I try to play women, and it's really been a path that I've been guided by divinely. Women who, if they are a victim, in the end, they're not the victim anymore. 
And so it has to jump off the page for me. If by page 15, if nothing's happening, I go, eh. <laughs> you know, that kind of kind of thing. Um, I'll try to find a, a woman who's, who's interesting, that has, has something to say. And, uh, I, and it doesn't have to be a big part. It's just if it's an interesting kind of woman to play that I haven't played before. And that's how I usually how I determine things. If I don't get that little whoop in my system, then I go, yeah, <laughs> I'll pass. Yeah. And what was it about the character in Dottie and Soul that sort of made you have that feeling? And Well, because it's about a woman who, as a young girl, got a great opportunity, and then she got robbed of the opportunity. And her life could have been so different if it had worked out, but it didn't. And so she's living a life, and she's had to stifle that dream, but uh, she's doing okay, you know, and she's, she has a daughter. And uh, it's not the greatest circumstances. They have to work hard for every little cent that they make. But, uh, you know, she's got her daughter share a place together. And out of the blue, somebody comes into her life that changes her life. And she's able to really do what she was meant to do with her life through this opportunity. And it also works for the person who comes in and changes her life because she she tells him and shows him how, how life should be and how selfish he has been and uh, he needs to get his act together. Plus she's over 65. So for this opportunity to happen to her, at that stage in her life, it's it's quite miraculous. And she gets a chance to show how strong and interesting she is in the business world, which when she was younger, she had the opportunity, but she was too young to know the business world. But now she knows how to do the business world. and. Uh, so it, it shows that just because you're a certain age doesn't mean you don't have young ideas. And she has these young ideas that changes the whole concept of this business that she's, she's, gotten, she's gotten into. And uh, plus, as a woman, she's sitting in the room. You know, it's not just all the guys. She's now sitting in the room and she winds up running the show. And that's what I, I just loved about the whole thing about it. She was confident and, and uh, she, you know, it's like Cinderella was, you know, doing all the, the hard work and then she goes to the ball one night and then because of that shoe, her life changes. So it, it's kind of like with Dottie, all of a sudden she says, okay, I'll, I'll do this favor and this favor turns out to change her life and his life as well. He was a boss, and uh, it was it. What well, and they're funny, you know. 
supportive as well. She has a great sense of humor, very sarcastic, but she has a great sense of humor. And she tells it like it is. She's not uh, afraid to say what she thinks, which makes it refreshing. Yeah, that is great. And yeah. what has the process sort of been like for you personally of aging within the industry? And Well, it's it's been, you know, terrific. I mean, who would have thunk that I'd be blind out of Deadpool? I mean, you know, so you know, it's like, as I said, you, you see something when you get a script and, and you hope that what you're seeing is what the, uh, the people who wrote the script uh, want it to be. So I'm like, you know, I'm always looking, so what's the next job? <laughs> you know, I like, I love working. I love working. I love meeting new actors and new young people that are up and coming. And I, I just, I just love doing that. And I love being, you know, around people who are creative. And so, you know, you're never too old as far as I'm concerned. Age is just a number. Right, right. And I would love to ask about one or two more of the Broadway shows you did, one of which would be Jerry's Girls and what that was like working with Sherry Herman. Well, that was another situation. I'm home and at the time we lived in California and the phone rang and it was Jerry on the phone. And he says to me, Leslie, how would you like to do, uh, it was supposed to be uh, eight weeks during the summer of singing my songs. And I said, oh, that sounds great. He said, with Carol Channing, I went, oh my God, that sounds really great. And Andrew McCardle, oh my goodness. And that's how that came about. And the eight weeks turned into 48 weeks because we were so successful. And that was a situation where a lot of places that we wound up playing, a lot of theaters, there were a lot of shows that had been out there for the summer and they didn't do well. And uh, we were doing great. So we wound up taking over those, those theaters. And it, it was so much fun. We had the best time. And, uh, you know, going from place to place, city to city and, what could be bad when you're singing Jerry Herman? Right. He was such a dear, sweet man, and and uh, I made him laugh. My husband made him laugh a lot, and you know, you know, it was it was just great. But that's how a phone call. That's how it happened. And what was it like to work with Carol Channing? Too could be sort of eccentric. And <laughs> oh God, she was such a hoot. I just adored her. And she was so funny because, you know, she had all these allergies. And so she could only eat certain things. And of course, after each show opening, there was always a party. And, you know, there was always food. And we'd always wind up sitting together. And you'd be eating regular food. And Carol would have these different Tiffany things that with food in there. And she'd say to me, does that taste good, Leslie? <laughs> yes, Carol. I feel so guilty, but it did taste good. <laughs> you know? And so, and she'd have to have special food cooked for her. And, you know, we all stayed at the same hotel and you smell these weird <laughs> smells and you go, oh, 
this is turnip season. <laughs> you know, she had seasonal food. <laughs> so it was it was crazy. She was she was a hoot. She was <laughs> really a hoot. Oh yeah. I had a lot of a lot of fun with her. A lot of fun with her. But she was she was funny. She'd say, I would do walk into my life and the people would go crazy. And then they had me walking up these stairs and everything come off and she said to me, They love you. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it like to to step into Anything Goes mid run and find your sort of interpretation of that character and that, that was fun. What happened, though, was that we were doing the tour. Oh. So we were uh, doing that, and the tour didn't work out because they decided that the ship on Broadway wasn't real luxurious enough. So for the road tour, they were going to make this beautiful ship. Well, what happened was it was so beautiful and so heavy that it took, like, 20 trucks to move the set and of course we're doing two week gigs and so that didn't work out so eventually we wound up uh, sitting somewhere but we wound up closing and uh, so I had finished that and Patty was leaving and then uh, Jerry Zachs met with me and said are you interested in doing Reno Sweetie and I said absolutely because I had done Reno in Vegas in Atlantic City I should say in Atlantic City, and we had a ball, and we packed them in at one of the hotels down there some years before. So I felt very comfortable in doing Reno Sweetie, and and that was that was fun. That was fun. I mean, the songs are so great, and you could see the people at the end of the show, you know, dancing up the aisles because they just they just loved that show. Wow. And of course, you know, it it was it it's just a fun character to play, you know. To, she was uh, a kind of sassy, naughty woman, but she was also a, a, a preacher in her heart at the same time. You know, so that was fun to play. And I got to tap, you know, which right. I, you know, I had been tapping since I was a kid. So I, I got to use use those steps. <laughs> so it was fun. It was fun. And were there any of the roles you played on stage that were especially sort of difficult either to figure out as an actress or just to do eight times a week? Or No, not really. You know, even when I did Thoroughly Modern Millie, that was a great character to play. I had so much fun playing that. Um, there's also, you know, also uh, some that somebody you might know down the line and you go, hmm, that reminds me of such and such so you tap into a little bit of that of course you always tap into a little bit of, of, of yourself as well and you know I just didn't do musicals on Broadway I did King Headley which was uh, a heavy heavy role to play and it's August Wilson and he he has a certain rhythm to his to his uh, plays you have to tap into to that and uh, so it's it's uh I've had some interesting women that I, I've gotten to play, but you know everything uh, I find when I'm getting ready to, to learn something and get into it, I'm going like, oh my god, will I ever learn this? <laughs> you know, there's always that angst, and then you always hope that uh, 
that the playwright, this is exact, is what he wants. <laughs> you know, that he's not sitting there going like, this is not the person that I wanted to be, you know. So uh, it's always that, but uh, when it all comes together, it's, uh, it's well, well worth it. And I love the theater. It's hard work. It is definitely hard. I mean, eight shows a week, I'm telling you. It's a lot, and especially musicals are hard. Plays, I always say, are easier because you have a life when you do a play. You know, people can come by and say hello, and you might, you know, afterwards, after the show, go out and have some food or a drink or something. When you do a musical, you have no life because you have to protect your throat. Anybody sneezes, you're like, oh my God, I hope, you know, I don't catch a cold, stuff like that. You got to get your rest. And so uh, when people commit to do a musical, it's uh, it's like going into combat. <laughs> you know, it's so uh, you got your responsibility because people, when they, they come to see the show, they want you to be in it. Right. <laughs> and they're not happy when those, those papers fall out of the program, the playbill, and all of a sudden you say, what? Okay. Well, I'm here now, you know, that kind of thing. But they really, they want you to be there. So it's right. a great responsibility. But rewarding because it's live. I love live. Because you get that response immediately from the audience. You know, when you do a film, it's in the director and the editor's hands. So you never know. I mean, I once did a film and we went to a screening and I was not mostly in it. <laughs> I was like, what happened to all that stuff that I did? And, there, and so my character made no sense whatsoever because you didn't see the beginning of why she was the way that she was. So you have no say when it comes to movies, or television movies, uh, <laughs> when you're doing a live show, you're there. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the most recent musical roles you did was Mala Rose in Gypsy. And what was it like to take on that great role? And having oh. worked and having worked with Arthur Lawrence as well previously. Well, I didn't get to interesting. I did a show uh that he saw when we were doing it, trying it out for the first time in New York called Stormy Weather about Le about Lena Horn. And uh, he was really uh, knocked out by my performance. But I didn't get to talk to him because I was doing Thoroughly Modern Millie. And after we did this presentation, I had to run to the theater because I had a, had a show that night. But Arthur called me. Now, when you get a call from Arthur Lawrence, you have made it. Because he was not the easiest person. Right, right. <laughs> and we spoke on the phone and he, I was just like, am I dreaming? Is this author? <laughs> and we, we had a lovely conversation and he had said to me, he says, um, Bernadette was doing, well, getting ready to do a tour of supposedly Gypsy. And he said to me, when she finishes it, I would like you to take over the brother Gypsy. And I was like, really? I said, yeah, I think he'd be great. But it, ne it never happened. So when I got an opportunity to, to finally do it up at uh, UConn, 
um, I jumped at the at, at the chance because it's one of the great women's roles. I, I saw it when I was a kid, Ethel Merman do the part, and I just think, oh my God, this is incredible! This is incredible. And so it was wonderful to have the opportunity to play Mama Rose, and uh, of course it was. We didn't have much of a rehearsal because, you know, when you do something in the summertime, it's not like doing it for, for Broadway, but it was it was well, well worth it. And I mean, great songs that, you know, you get to sing is that that character. And the, it, it was just great, just great. And I wound up doing uh, another role that I had a ball doing. I did a Do Hello Dolly in... Uh, Texts and that was fun to do. And Jerry was a part of it because he had me sing an extra song. He had written a song because you know he wanted Ethel Merman to do it originally, and she turned it down. But when she finally said yes years later, um, he wrote a special song for her, and so he added that to also to when the parade passes by, and so. The director and I, who Leroy Reams directed me uh -huh. by the door, and we were saying, "Well, Jerry, both of these songs because won't this song kind of take away from the other song?" And he said, "Well, if you don't want to do it, don't do it." <laughs> and Leroy and I looked at each other and said, "Okay, we're doing it." <laughs> <laughs> and I, it, it's, it's called A Love Look in My Window. It stopped the show. And and then then I did Parade Passes by that naturally afterward. And we came up stage and Leroy and I said, what were we thinking questioning Jerry? Of course he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Every night it would stop the show. Wow. Yeah. So um, it, it's, you know, it's great when you have the opportunity to work with the composer and realize that he knows what he's doing. <laughs> you, you know, and so, yeah, that was, that was another, another great opportunity. Yeah. And what is your process like as an actress when you're embodying a real life character like Lena Horner in the White House TV show or anything like that? Uh, a lot of preparation, uh, a lot of writing. Uh, I like to write out my lines whenever I'm doing any any project. I write them out. I like to see it on the page and, and uh, think of scenarios, certain things, certain people, stuff like that. And it's a it's a lot of I do a lot a lot of work. A lot a lot. Not a lot of hanging out because I, you know, because I, I try to get a rhythm going when I'm studying for the role and, and uh, keep those brain cells <laughs> working. And so it's, uh, it's not a lot of hanging out when you're involved in that, you know. Oh, yeah. And is there a specific role or a type of role that you would like to do or would like to have done? Not really. I mean, um, so far I've been lucky in doing roles that I've really either surprised that I got the opportunity or that 
I, you know, I, I, I got to do that particular part. And, and the, each project that I've done has been just terrific. Really been um, terrific, and uh, you know, I mean, one of my one of my favorites is Blind Al because she's hysterical, <laughs> you know, and the relationship that she has with uh, Wade Deadpool is uh, is fun, and uh, that's another side of me that shocked a lot of my friends. The same thing when I did uh, Empire because I played such a bad bad crazy woman i had people calling me going i never knew you had that in you i said it's a role for god's sake <laughs> doing a role which is what she's all about you know and i had friends that saw deadpool and had no idea that was me until the credits came and then they were like I thought I recognized the voice somehow, and <laughs> you know. So I love doing those kind of roles where you surprise somebody. Mm -hmm. It's not not the thing that they expect you to be doing. Those are fun to do. Those are really fun to do. Oh yeah. And so I know we do have kind of limited time, so I'd love to close by asking you: with such a fantastic career, what advice would you give to someone just starting out? If this is what you love, try to be in be in every contest, every every production if you can, um, because that, that's how you get your experience, you know. And um, it, it's interesting because when you do when you do the theater, I find for me, I found once I did a lot of theater doing uh, movies or television movies were easier for me because I had been on that stage and I, I knew how to walk and to talk and do all that stuff. Um, and I studied a lot as a kid. I studied a lot, you know, I studied the, the dancing and, and uh, I started taking acting with Sal Menio when I was like eight years old, you know? And so uh, I got to my, my greatest uh, moment for me, as far as learning my craft was Stella Adler. I got to be one of her students and uh, she was just magic, absolute magic. Her quote was, darling, never be boring. <laughs> you know? And that's what I try to do with the characters, not be boring, try to make something, what makes her stand out in, in her, in her way. So in, I was doing everything as a kid, you know, uh, school productions, uh, outside school productions, as much as possible to, that's part of your training as well. But it's a lot of hard work. And if you love it, go for it. But it's not American Idol. You know, it's not that. I mean, it's it's a lot stuff because there's a lot of people who sing great and everything but there's something about the people that make it they've got something a little bit of something and you go I don't know what that is but I like it <laughs> you, know? you know and so I just you know you, you work hard but you have to know your craft those that are still going 
they know their craft, you know, um, and they they make it so that you don't notice that they're doing a craft. They make it ah, just their being, you know. But uh, it's it's a lot of hard work. I mean, some people work behind the scenes before they get in front, you know, as a stage manager, whatever, you know, menial jobs, just to be around people in, in, the, in the theater. And for me, you see somebody up on that stage, it's, uh, and they can make it special. That's not easy, but wow, it's fantastic, fantastic. So if you love it, go for it. Ah, that's great advice. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's been an honor to meet you. And Well, I've been dying to meet you. I think this is great what you're doing. And uh... Listeners, thank you for tuning in. And remember to come back next time when I am joined by Broadway actress D. Jamin Bartlett. D. Jamin starred as Petra in the original production of A Little Night Music, and her other credits include Boccaccio, The Guys in the Truck, Spotlight, Ankles Away, Godspell, and My Fair Lady. You won't want to miss that episode, so make sure to tune back in for that, and thanks for listening.